Hello, hello! Welcome once more to Reckless Attack, a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons actual play podcast. I am, as always, your GM Nathan, and I am very proud of myself for getting all the way through that intro. Not for the usual reasons of I said all the words in the right order, but because partway through, I I had forgotten that the dog who is actively barking right now was underneath me. And I kicked him just a little bit, just a light, not a, more of a tap, where it's like, a, where's this fuzzy thing? And he's like the most under my chair that a dog and could be. He is but, now voicing his displeasure. Exactly. And that that was probably my fault. Uh, so I'm sorry, listener, uh, who may or may not be wanting to hear any barks of any dogs. But luckily, I am a podcast professional who was able to power through and then just absolutely derailed us for a full like uh, 90 seconds. And, but And luckily, we need outtakes. So. Very true. <laughs> hey. And luckily, there, there you go. Also, luckily, I am here surrounded by four other definitely podcast professionals, starting with the individual on my left. Hi, everybody. I'm Sophie, and I play Valeska Carter, the human asterisk cleric of the Arcana domain. And how dare Nathan forget that Arthur's favorite spot is under his chair the so most. that he cannot put his feet down in any way and has to kind of scrunch yep no i'm his own chair i'm half cross-legged where i have like one leg up and the other one is kind of just like jauntily off at like a 90 degree angle <laughs> and i may need to just go full like crisscross applesauce to avoid the dog but i think you'd also be upset about that just start recording while in the fetal position on the chair <laughs> there you go True. optimal I... breath no 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 because sometimes arthur needs nathan's foot as a pillow exactly. so mm. one foot must be available at all times for arthur as he demands. Maybe we can flip the the whole microphone stand apparatus upside down, and then I'll be on the fetal position on the ground, spooning Arthur, and then just talk into the microphone. We don't need, like, eye contact no, or anything, no, don't. I don't think, right? You know, kind of the classic apocryphal tale of how Gary Gygax back in the day had a literal, like, screen between him and the players <laughs> so that they couldn't, they couldn't see him as he was running the game. And I'll just do that except a gaming table and uh, for a dog. Hi, everyone. I'm David, and I play Kaskrin Brightmane, the Dwarven Warlock. And I'm just vibing today. <laughs> Hell yeah. We could and use some vibes. Yeah, and it's a good time. Also, we are in presumably Lorana's weird, spooky palace with nothing and no one around us except for her. And maybe her clones. And maybe her clones. <laughs> it's oh, not sure. <laughs> yeah. So that's fun. And to my left. Hello, everyone. My name is Steve, and I am playing Selv Asterlin, the dragonborn monk, who right now is is feeling pretty good and just wondering if maybe one of these Lorana clones will stop by with some kind of, you know, frozen treat or something, you know, for our characters, you know, some kind of, you know, an ice cream clone. <laughs> no. <laughs> too, too far. Did I have to walk too far? Well, the real question is Am I now obligated, or are we collectively as a DD table, are we obligated to all turn to Steve and say, Well, Steve, what do you mean by that? Go on. Please 
keep explaining keep this explaining. joke. <laughs> is this a clone made of ice cream or is this a clone dedicated exclusively to providing ice cream? You know, that's kind of either way. <laughs> that's that's what wow, makes you a good wow. collaborative storyteller. You're like, you know what? Hey, I just throw I out will the idea. Go, yeah, I throw I, out yes, the idea. You as the DM make a decision and right I go with that. Take notes, everyone. And across the table from me. Hi, everyone. I'm Jonathan, and I play Checkers, the Grung Druid, and his trusty frog pals, Mango and Junior. And ever since episode 81, where I messed up which direction our introductions were going, I am incredibly anxious about what direction left or right is. <laughs> <laughs> so every time someone says, and to my left, I'm like, left, right, left? What is that? Is it my left? His <laughs> left? Their left? Oh, God. So I'm just going to request that I go last every time now. Is that okay? <laughs> or, or at least we'll, we'll, we'll very pointedly like look and gesture at you. Yeah. Across the table from me, yes. eye contact, we're looking, and you're confirming through your body language Perfect. and we edit out me saying Jonathan yes I'm referring to you and you verbally confirm Nathan I understand that you have called on me to introduce the character and then we move on thank you for supporting me through this difficult time I absolutely appreciate it. happy to help as best we can and speaking of difficult times you guys find yourself in a I won't say difficult in a strange time because you are in the palace house sanctum of Lorana Moonglove, the mysterious sorceress witch individual who you have been searching for for, I think, weeks now out on the road, venturing against the uh, the wilds of Rixia. And you're here. Technically only one week, but like out of game. Was it only a week? It's only been like eight days. <laughs> was it eight days? I thought it was like 12 days or something. Or like like 10 days. From not long, not as long as we've been recording <laughs> yeah, episodes. Right. About twenty the- episodes. We have been <laughs> looking I think that cements that we now need some kind of calendar, like in character calendar. <laughs> I have so one. We could, we could check off like what days we're doing. Literally stuff. earlier today, I was like, "Fuck, I haven't updated this in so long." And for <laughs> once, the calendar actually like should pay attention to what how much time it's been. I do have a spreadsheet, but I haven't. I haven't updated it. Eagle-eared listeners. That's right. Please, please write help. in. Please help. <laughs> But you guys, again, find yourselves in front of Lorana Moonglove, who is putting out some interesting vibes. Essentially, she has now finally welcomed you into this palace and has said, hey, hey, cuties, how are you? And she is just very casually holding her staff and looking at you all with these dark black eyes with golden irises and smirking at you with these teeth that have what appear to be elongated, pointed canines. And she says, so, you came all the way to visit me. That is so kind of you, so, so heroic. What can I do for you cuties? Before we jump into asking Lorana questions, something Ifal can check is... Since the buffalo mm-hmm. just appeared in front yeah. of us in the outskirts of this crater impact, and the sun is different. The yes. suns are different. There's one single sun up above you instead of the usual two. Mm-hmm. We saw a lot of like starry night things. Yep. Stars. That's a very common motif is, is if not directly stars, a lot of colors that are very evocative of the mm-hmm. night sky. 
I'm hoping to do some type of check to mm-hmm. see, are we now on a different plane of existence? Give me an Arcana check. It'll be a pretty high one. We, uh, we'll call it a DC 18 for a definitive answer. Okay. Only a 16. That is pretty close. So what I'll say is that there's definitely some sort of planar shenanigans. What the exact details of it are is a little beyond your understanding, at least from this vantage point. But you shouldn't be able to fit on the head of this buffalo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. And the easiest way to explain that and kind of a lot of the other things that you're seeing, especially the sky, is that, again, this is some sort of maybe some sort of other plane. But again, you don't. Like, if you were to jump off, like Checkers was hoping to chuck (laughs) Junior off the side, what would happen? Well, (laughs) who's to say? Who's to say? So, the one thing that Checkers has learned from his time as an adventurer is that you want to get negotiations started off on the right foot. The one thing he's learned (laughs) is about the art of the deal. Yes. (laughs) Got it. Exactly. And Uh Checkers right now, throughout his jaunt in the city, has picked up a few things. Mm -hmm. So he is mirroring Lorana's nice, flat, wide-brimmed hat. I had forgotten And these gorgeous, flowing, Mm -hmm. multicolored robes. And as he kind of steps out from behind Valeska, he greets Lorana and gives her his best Kaskarin smile. And just says, wow, Lorana, you look really great. I think it's important to note in this exact moment that these are full medium-sized creature yes, robes right. on a small-sized creature. And they are dragging behind yeah. him as he walks up. <laughs> right. And and I'll ask you, mm-hmm. is it in a strangely resplendent way? You know, kind of that like that long gown dress where it's like, oh, it kind of like drags artistically. Or is it like... There's it's just a bunching. It's just a lot Clearly of Clearly there's a child wearing yeah. right. Are you having to crawl like a baby? <laughs> I want to say it's half and half. Got like it. he's clearly mm-hmm. trying to present his best self, but he's having to like hold the whole front of these robes in front of him to <laughs> yes. just waddle up in front of Lorana. Everyone wanted to jump in at that exact <laughs> moment and I am so excited about that. And Kaskrin is furiously pointing at his temple and looking at Val, <laughs> trying to gesture for Mimely. And it's like, okay, so what's the plan once this all goes sideways in the next five seconds? <laughs> and Checkers continues the conversation by saying, I noticed how much you like the pentarchy outside, those great statues and everything. Ah, yes, yes. Well, it's important to pay tribute to those who paved the way before us. And Checkers is kind of trying to butter her up a little bit right now. And it's just like, well, I love the Pentarchy too. Especially Nazar the Black. He's my favorite. I have an action figure and everything. <laughs> Checkers would actually pull out a little wood carving of Nazar the Black with a little <laughs> crown on it. She actually just stands up very, mm-hmm. very normal to show how normal that she very much is. And she actually walks up to Checkers but leaves the steering apparatus is is still behind her and still standing upright and kind of making these little adjustments and little movements. You're not sure to what, but mm-hmm. she comes over and stands in front of you, Checkers, and therefore kind of in front of all of you. And she just kind of crouches down. She puts her hand kind of underneath the statue of Nazar the Black, the little action figure that yeah. you've made, and kind of like lifts it up a little bit so she can see a little bit better. You can see... She holds it up almost to eye level where her eyes 
are even with the action figures, which are even to yours. And she's mm-hmm. kind of looking through this action figure at you and you see these black eyes and you can see those little fangs in her mouth. And she says, well, that's very interesting information. Nazar was not my favorite, but what drew you to him? Well, I really like his hat. The crown of discord, right? <laughs> Yes, yes, the crown of discord. That was one of the many things that he used to bludgeon his way to success. Val will, like, put a hand on Checker's shoulder and be like, our Checkers really does love chaos, and discord was right up his alley. And Casper at this point will put on his, like, best winning smile, Mm -hmm. really try to turn on the charm and say... And thank you so much again for agreeing to meet with us, Lorana. I mean, it is so incredibly generous of you to offer your time and assistance to four adventurers in their time of need. How close are you? Like, just like paint me the picture of how you are approaching. Are you kind of standing where you are? Are you coming up to talk? What, you know, kind of what's your approach? I imagine Kastrin was standing right next to Checkers. Yeah. And so as Lorana is walking up and crouching down to meet Checkers at eye level, and Kastrin, even though he's still talking down to Lorana, feels still very small in this moment, but trying not to show it. Lorana is crouched down on her, like the balls of her feet, and you can see her just shift her weight and kind of face you. She stands up and does so with this like perfect ramrod posture for like perfect elegance, almost like she's being lifted up by like wires Mm -hmm. and is now standing right in front of you, perfectly straight and now looking down at you. And she says, oh, and who are you? Kaskrin Brightmane at your service. Oh, tell me about yourself, Kaskrin. Well... I have been an adventurer for, and he looks at his watch uh, (laughs) arm uh, in a very funny gesture, about six months. But we have found ourselves in some dire straits. It seems that there is something or someone. And you all are from Agmar, right? That is true. We are from Agmar, Mm. where the protectors there have run into some trouble. And how is Agmar doing? Cashman's <laughs> <laughs> like, Cashman like nods his head, knowing, trying to like, okay, okay, okay. Um, it's doing quite well. A little bit nonplussed at the sudden the swerves. Yeah, the swerves that she is trying to do. From last I've heard, they've taken in some refugees from nearby towns. We have a guild hall there, actually, that was renovated for us and is run by our esteemed guildmaster Berga, who has done a lovely job. We are here uh, because Agmar's guard, in addition to the city guard, the Bones, have need of your magical prowess. I'm sorry. And Lorana just kind of reaches out her finger and just kind of like plucks at one of the sides of Selv's gi. You know, kind of like the, the V that's right there. It is been really bugging me where are you from from i'm one of the monasteries are you from one of the one of the dragon monasteries i am from the uh bing juzi monastery Mm, that's not one of the ones i know but where sorry where is that one 
Val, mind links. It's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Back on track. What's Checkers doing as this is happening? Uh, He is moving the arms on his articulated (laughs) Nazar the Black action figure and showing off the removable crown. (laughs) And the sick missile launcher. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. When you flip the switch on the back, yeah, he does like a kung fu kick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm just now imagining Checkers in this moment is slowly building up to the full stitch destroying a block city scene. Yes. <laughs> just slowly a, working up to he that. He has a, a giant mini Agmar just under his ropes, he just slowly pulls out more and more like action figures and like mini city buildings yes. that he's built over this trip. Kaskrin at this point is going to pull out the shards of metal from his backpack, kind of unravel them in the handkerchief and sort of like present them to Lorana. <sighs> Straight to business. So boring. And then just full, like in one deft motion, gathers up the entirety of what you have in your hand and turns her back and starts walking back to her little lounge. And you can hear kind of clinking as she's just playing around with the pile of of metals. You see, Caspian, this is why we got to start things off on the right foot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I guess it's schmooze first. Ask questions later. Yeah, Lorana, you've got such a great city. Starting Night Pastures is super cool. And I know Kaskrin was interested in trying to find a place to live around here. How do you let people in? Are you really? And then she just kind of like fixes these black and gold eyes on you. And Kaskrin's trying to regain some of the initiative in this conversation. Of course. I mean, this is such a lovely community that you've built here. Everyone is so nice and friendly and warm. I mean... Who wouldn't want to live here? It's just that, oh, we have our duty as adventurers, you know? We have our mission to save the city. And uh, if I didn't have to do that, I would love to live here. Give me a deception check. That is a 16. Ooh, okay. Lorana kind of looks you up and down, cocks an eyebrow, and says, well someone like you yeah we can make it worth your while she just kind of waggles her eyebrows a little bit you got her on the ropes now go Kaskrin go (laughs) Kaskrin flushes a little bit uh, but then looks back at her and says what does he want to say uh and checkers will kind of help you as you're floundering (laughs) Kaskrin's never been very good at the romance stuff but let me tell you he can do way better for you than old Garnack Oh, oh, and she just like pauses. How well do you know? uh, Do you guys know? Obviously, um, you know, are you guys like close? Do you hang out? How's he doing? Is he settled? Well, the one time he made Val a giant sky whale plushie, and that was pretty cool. Did he ever do that for you? Val kind of like enters in this moment and is like, yeah, I won it at the festival in Agmar and I do, I do love sky whales. And, um, you see there was trivia and me being part of the illustrious Atheum, I, I cannot stay away from trivia and I got a perfect score and the prize was sky whale, but they're like, oh, perfect score should do something else. And then I was like, 
Garnak made it big, and that was great. Lorana is, again, is pretty tall, mm-hmm. um, especially for for this group of adventurers mm-hmm. other than self. And she's, again, kind of has that ramrod posture back and is kind of just like tapping the side of her mouth with these long, perfectly manicured nails mm-hmm. and just looking down at you. Says, perfect score, huh? Mm-hmm. Kind of looks at you all again. And Kaskrin will say, Garnak was instrumental in helping us defend the city of Agmar for some of the recent attacks that have been happening, that have plagued the city. He did mention you a couple of times, which is, again, why we're here. But I wouldn't say that we are close friends. We all hang out at Torts and Ports. Hmm. We're very good friends with Nam, who's one of Garnak's friends, and how we came to know hmm. Garnak himself. We have a good working relationship. All right. So attacks. And she kind of like leans back, and, and the pile of the band, the band parts are kind of just like sitting, you know, off to the side a little bit. And she kind of just like taps her long fingernails together and says, what do you mean? Attacks like outside the city, inside the city. We had a few attacks in the city by a creature known as the Mothman. In the city. They started outside of the city. As far as we know, the first attack was part of our caravan as we entered. So the first Mm -hmm. attack came the night we rested maybe four hours outside and then proceeded each night after we entered. So just for fact-finding purposes... And she, again, is just kind of like... Val's like, yes. Almost almost <laughs> kind of curled up, and she has her, her fingers kind of up at her chin and isn't really looking at any of you in particular and just kind of has her brow furrowed. Is this a supernatural creature? Extra planar? Is it an undead? What are the kind of classification tags that you, you have put upon it? Val will rattle off all of the scientific classifications and she of just, the moth. She, every once in a while, she kind of pauses to kind of like, almost like she's translating it. And to be like, oh, she maybe she means this and might mm-hmm. ask you a clarifier, but... Val will actually open, dig through her backpack and open her notebook and like pass it to Lorana of like... And she, yeah, like she, the she takes it and like kind of holds it in one hand and just kind of looks at it. Her eyes just dart up over the book line and looks at you and then looks down and kind of her eyebrows waggle and she just flips a page with a finger. She's like, hmm. Hmm. Flip. Flip. Kaskrin has no idea about what some of these terms are (laughs) and has like lost the conversation a little bit but Mm -hmm. is trying to bring it back by saying, and we think this is related to some of the attacks outside of the city on the protectors, the bones. It seems that something perhaps related to the Mothman. The Bones. Do you mean the undead soldiers of the Pentarchy? Yes. The undead Saturnian soldiers made by the Pentarchy to protect the city. I don't I don't know what they're calling them nowadays. The Lasting Legion. Yep, same yes. same thing, it sounds yes. like. Good. Okay. And she kind of like closes the book and hands it back to you, Val. And just kind of starts pacing around in a circle a little bit. And her staff pings the ground as she walks. Just lost in thought, not talking to any of you. 
Val will mind link Kaskrin and just say, like, are we telling her about the smoke creature? I think we have to if we want to get an answer. Val will open up the same notebook uh, and say one important piece of information about what has happened to the Lasting Legion is we believe this creature is the one that, as they call it, untethered them and broke their armbands. They were a creature of rage and emotion that we fought and were able to defeat, but uh, definitely tried to have us succumb to their will as well. As you're up close, you show her kind of your notes and you kind of hold it back up to her. And I think you usually have like some sketches or something, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I imagine kind of like Darwin's journals right. where it's like there are specific like scientific drawings and diagrams and also like notes about important bits of information. You see she reacts to this. Just kind of one of those where like her eyes go a little bit wide just for a second. Mm-hmm. What did the four of you know about the undead and the creation therein? Very little, unfortunately. Sorry, I laughed because everyone at the table oh. looked at me and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> got something. We know that sometimes they're created with a large, um, powerful event. Yeah, yes, certainly, certainly. I mean, especially the more technical types of of, uh, of undeath and eternal life. But many are actually, how to describe it, um, to the lay person. Val will rattle off just a quick, okay, if you want type A, this is required. If you want type B, this, and then like do like her quickest overview so she can like convey. Like 201 Yeah, kind of just stuff. convey to Lorana that like, Lorana doesn't have to dumb it down for Val. Like, Val's <laughs> okay. got it. She's into it. And, like, give it to me straight. Let me clarify. Kaskrin doesn't know yeah. it. <laughs> right. The Lasting Legion, they are not souls, per se. They are an undead uh, corpse, a skeleton, I believe, as I recall, uh, exclusively, who are bound inside of an armor, who also have a certain... It's almost like they are fueled by their by emotions or by something, some sort of magic intent behind them. They did not always exemplify this, but they are beings of of rage, of anger, of uh, of bloodthirstiness, which made them exemplary soldiers, of course. If this creature was able to somehow free them of that, I mean, there's any number of explanations as to why. Uh, and she's, again, Val, you can see I'm rolling this over. She's being a little cagey about this. The creature specifically said that this was to help them in the war to come. And Val is watching Lorana intently Ooh. for a reaction to that statement. Roll me an insight check on that one. It's a 12. I didn't roll okay. very well. She doesn't betray anything. Okay. If she knows what you're talking about, either she is very good at hiding it or she has no idea what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And she says, oh, well, hard to say. I don't, again, don't get out too much. So I don't really know what that's about. All right. So 
what is it again that you're looking for from me? Just so we're clear before we enter into, as she looks over at Kaskarin, the business. And Kaskarin will look back at her and say, we are looking for your help for a way to repair these armbands. We have a few members of the Lasting Legion who have been untethered, and we're hoping to bring them back to themselves. Ooh, that's very interesting. And so you're looking for a something beyond a one-time fix, or are you looking for just a one-time fix, and how much more are you willing to give for longer-term solutions? I think we are in a position to hopefully secure an on-call service as needed. If it were to happen again, City of Agmar and the Lasting Legion would want to know on whom they could call for a solution. So what I'll need, just to start, there are a few items that hopefully are still in that lovely, lovely library over at Agmar. Um, which section? Well, if it's still around, and I, I, I mean, is it still oh, existent? Val I presume. pulls out her library card. It's like, it's doing great. Well, these particular parts of the collection, assuming they're still there, assuming that there wasn't raids and, you know, people tried to get their filthy hands on these uh, very precious objects, this would be in the restricted section. Actually, the whole list would be on the restricted section. And this is also the first mention of a list that she has made. Hmm. We have a date with the library Mm -hmm. to... Enter the restricted section. Yes. As it is... Restricted. (laughs) As it is about to be opened for the first time since the city of Agmar has been repopulated and there are untold surprises that await (laughs) us. I would imagine so, yes. But, and she kind of turns to checkers and kind of like, she's still crouched down a little bit and says, but I'm sure nothing that... Four stalwart adventurers, excuse me, turning to Mango, five stalwart adventurers, five cute stalwart adventurers wouldn't be able to handle, right? Not for the bones. And now, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by A Foul Light Shines, a new free serial novel based on a D&D campaign. The Empire of Fire and Water has known 20 golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words... Trust no one, Tyre. Can the gang find Tyre, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength and diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A Foul Light Shines. 
come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed goblin gunslinger. Hi, it's me, Sophie. Do you want more Reckless Attack? Then join our Discord and chat with us in our community. The link for the Discord is in the show notes, or head on over to our website, recklessattack.com. We also have a Patreon. You can listen to our new show, Reckless Snack, and other content if you become a patron. We really appreciate your support, and thank you for listening to the episode. Kaskrin is... I don't know if I needed an insight roll for this, but does Lorana know what's in the restricted section? Ooh, interesting question. Yeah, like, give me an insight check, but it'll be a pretty low DC, but go ahead and say what you're going to say. Because it seems like she does, and everyone else is like, ooh, the restricted section, nobody's been in there for years, anything could be in there. And we went through a whole trifold presentation about why we're the best adventurers <laughs> to do this. Right. So it's like, if she just knows, maybe we can ask her. Mm-hmm. That is a 14. At minimum, she is definitely acting as if she has a list of at least items or books or something that is in there. Whether or not she knows kind of the current state of it after it's been closed for however many decades now, <laughs> I think like, again, 40 or 50 years, that part you don't know, but she is familiar. She must be familiar. She looks at you and kind of takes you all in and just does this little flourish with her hands. That's almost kind of like a parlor trick and a list appears held between two fingers. Lorana says, I have marked the ones that are, well, I've marked one that is essential to the work. I just simply will not be able to do what I need to do. Uh, I just do not have the knowledge without one of those books. And the other one is my payment for the kind of short-term fix. And again, if there are multiple members of the Bones, I'll happily just take care of them all. If you want the longer-term solutions, where they will be able to repair themselves or have someone uh, help repair them, depending on what I learn, I will require the full five books on my list. Taskrin will take a look at these and go through them a little bit. The Liber Morte, the Pentarchy Proclamation, Volume 19, very important. Arcane Anthony's Amazing Atlas and Almanac. Plane Spotting, and Courting the Coriander King. The two books that I require, the Pentarchy Proclamation Records, Volume 19, that's very important. I, want, I need that one from that particular span of time. And the Liber Morte. Now, when I said they were simply books, that one maybe stretches the definition. Uh, some would say grimoire, but it is still bound. It has pages. That I require. That is the one that has the technical needs that I need met. The other one is just simply one that I am interested in. Selv just puts his hands up and kind of like shrugs his shoulders a little bit and just says... Can't it just be copied? No, don't say that out loud. Lorana looks at Val, being like, this fucking guy. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Mm-hmm. 
part of the real problem is we don't know like the value of these books. Val would know that a grimoire is probably one of well, given the Pentarchy and it freaking basically being the British Museum of stealing everything of value. <laughs> Correct. Um, yep, hundred <laughs> percent. Knows that like the restricted section has untold treasures, but mm-hmm. a grimoire is prized probably among them. Casklin, kind of trying to learn a little bit more about her, but also trying to see what else is she motivated by. Would say, of course, we will do what we can to get you the items that you need to at least fix it one time. But the world is in grave danger. It has changed much since I imagine you were last in it. Rixia needs the services of someone like you to help protect it, to help protect us all. I think that it is within all of our abilities to do what we can for the people of this world. Give me a charisma check with advantage, but no other, no, not a particular charisma, just general. You're using your words to kind of have an effect on someone. Yeah. That is a 20. Lorana is unmoved by what you say, mm-hmm. but what Kaskrin picks up, because again, Kaskrin obviously was calling on a sense of duty, but was also trying to just be like, all right, what's she going to say to this? She says, Agmar, that's not my city. This is my city. That's uh, I have, of course, other many other interests and other directions and great plans for the future, of course. But uh, Agmar doesn't belong to me. I am doing this uh, out of a curiosity and and to, well, to do business. Of course, and I understand that. I don't think that we can grab every item on your list just with our authority alone, but we could try our best and then run the remainder through the official channels. Look, you guys know how to get a hold of me. Just tell me what you're willing to do. I'd be happy to send you a message. Of course. I'm, more. I want to be a generous, good business partner. I appreciate that. However, a couple of things that you need to know. First, this has a deadline. As you might have guessed, we live a pretty mobile lifestyle, but how do we put this? We move at a little bit faster pace than that what a water buffalo can provide. That's just kind of a convenient abstraction. Right now, we are actually on the far side of the continent. Nowhere near Agmar. That's how we keep ourselves safe, you understand, from things like ultra giants and smoke creatures and mothmen. And it has worked, uh, obviously, very well. And that's not something I'm willing to compromise right now. But I'll be back around. In fact, I'll be back near Agmar in, let's say, two weeks from today. Guys, I don't want to say this is impossible, because it's not. 
because we're the Golden Tree Guild, and we can do anything. But it's going to take us two weeks just to get back to Agmar, so just maybe include that in your plans. Hmm. But hold on. Uh, Lorana kind of pauses and kind of like seems to do some math in her head. It's like, um, carry the four, carry the purple. Um, no, no, yeah, you you can be back. Um, as you can be back by what you understand to be tonight. Wow, not even gonna try to unpack that. But how we have at least. 12 days of travel ahead of us. Eight, maybe, if we take the road and, like, kind of starts calculating logistics in his head. No, no, no. We, like I said, we're moving. Don't worry about it. Why don't you guys just take a load? Find, I, I, I we have some really great food here. We have uh, all kinds of interesting venues. There is actually a community theater production going on right now that's uh, pretty decent, if I'm being honest. Oh, oh, I forgot before before uh before you guys go, that last item, the mm-hmm. according to the Coriander King, there are several copies. I need the signed first edition. Noted. That's the one. I have other copies. That's the one that I need. It's no Val, deal otherwise. Val makes a note. I would like to roll a check of some kind. Is that a book that is popular? Does Kaskrin perhaps have a copy of it? Uh, give me a history check. 14. Total? Yes. I have a copy right here. I'll sign it for you right now. <laughs> <laughs> is it a first edition copy? It's the first edition with his signature. So what I did was I rolled a dice because it's a little bit of a luck roll. And I was giving it a very low chance to succeed. And I rolled exactly also a 14 on the die, which is what your total was. Great. And so I'm going to give it to you. You are vaguely familiar with this. And I'm very excited to see David explain why Kaskar knows this. Courting the Coriander King is essentially the legendary kind of like Romeo and Juliet of romance novels Mm -hmm. from decades, if not centuries ago. It's not quite as big as Romeo and Juliet, but it's one of those things where, like, still is kind of known in the romance book circles. Uh, And so if this is a signed first edition that she's looking for, this is indeed a a pretty big get. And you would know uh, and you would know that. um, How, David? Casper looks at the list and is thinking of his own personal library where he has at least three copies of this book. None of them signed by the original author, obviously, or first editions. But he is, like, whispering, do we have to give this one to her? <laughs> <laughs> so do you do you enjoy it? Do you have it for historical value? Or is it one of those no. things where it's, like, in college, it was part of a weird assignment that I did, and so I just weirdly have multiple copies of it? Or a weird hand-me-down from a grandma that, you know, for some reason, Kaskrin's grandma had four copies Can of I it? Can I propose something? Yeah. I feel like in Lotros, this book is so popular, survived for so long that it is like the book that always gets swapped in the free libraries yes. of Lotros. Like, <laughs> True. like, you know, you restock the free library with good variety of books mm-hmm. and then everyone goes to the free library and replaces it with their copy of Courting the Coriander yes. King. <laughs> and, and maybe it is a Lotros, like maybe that is the through line is for whatever reason, 
low trust still loves this book. And like none of the other people yeah. would have heard of it because like it's just a weird niche hyper regional thing. I'm going to say it could be that maybe a major plot line of it takes place in or near True. Lotros. And so that's why. And I'm going to say that it is required reading for all <laughs> mm-hmm. people in fantasy high school in Lotros. And of the like 12 books that Catherine had to read as part of his training, Courting the Coriander King was the one that really stuck with him of just like of love, of despair, of duty, of 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 valor. Just like sex. Th- yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Pretty raunchy. It's pretty. There's a lot going on in it. And like that. That really, like, kicked off Catherine's career into really enjoying romance novels. Like, this is where it all started. See, as, like, a high school reading, it's both English and sex education. I was going to say, and, and, <laughs> and either, either that was the greatest teacher in all of Lotros, or that teacher got fired the next <laughs> yeah. semester yeah. for It was for only required that. reading for one year after yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say, it's so explicit, just straight to the restricted section. (laughs) (laughs) Lorana, you did mention that your town boasts some fine cuisine. I'd love to invite you for dinner. I would love that. Is it not skulls? I'm tired of eating skulls and bones and other weird things. All I've had to eat is skulls, weird ghost monsters. Ah, there was a lobster. That was great. But nothing since then. Oh, uh, we... This is actually... There's a lot that I'm very proud of here. Uh, But there's one crown jewel, at least as far as the early evening nightlife. And Casper hears his stomach rumbling. And it's just (laughs) like, I would love that. She kind of like claps her hands, looks at you all, and extends her stave, you know, kind of her, her bifurcated stave, and starts kind of raising it. And you guys can all feel it. It's like there's this almost rubber band feeling at the end where she's kind of like lifting up and there's this weird resistance to the ground. And then she just kind of lets it go and it clangs onto the ground. Suddenly, you guys find yourself somewhere else. No one is in wherever it is that this place is. And you guys are already seated around a table next to a wall in booths. Hmm. There seems to be no one here but waitstaff who are all kind of milling around uh, and no one notices you for a hot second. And Lorana just kind of like doesn't say anything, but just kind of like looks at you guys and nods and kind of waggles her eyebrows. It's like, look, eh? Eh?" yeah. Oh, wow. And Catherine looks around to the decor and just like takes it all in. It's like, wow, it's so... What is the... Eclectic? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow, it's so... Weird. (laughs) It is. Eclectic is a good word for it. All across the walls of this place have all kinds of just little like bits and baubles and pictures and signs and stuff that I am sure make no sense to you guys. Like none of whatever bits of culture are up on the walls here mean anything to you guys. And there's just like. A picture of, like, someone presumably famous having, yeah. like, <laughs> yes. sat next to presumably the owner of this fine establishment. It's Lorana. <laughs> There's a picture. There are multiple pictures of Lorana uh, that are signed by both whoever, again, whoever the fuck these people are. Uh-huh. And Lorana, who has, bo- who has also signed every single one of these pictures. <laughs> uh, and she's just kind of, like, bouncing in her seat and kind of, like, waggling her eyebrows. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. 
And as you kind of are taking this all in, someone steps forward and is wearing no shirt, but a vest that is just covered in a variety of different pins and buttons. Just looks at you all with kind of this big, you know, kind of happy grin and says, hello, good evening. Welcome to. And then sees Lorana sitting there and she just like stares at him and then nods forcefully. Welcome to to Bell Peppers. It's <laughs> great to serve you today. How can I help you? Can I interest you in any of our happy hour specials? Such as, Lorana interrupts, uh, yeah, can we actually have some of the jalapeno poppers, please? Thank you. Uh, and you bet I'll be right back. Someone will be around for waters here in just a second. Are they skull pepper poppers? What's a jalapeno? <laughs> I thought it was pronounced jalapeno. <laughs> Val knows how excited Lorana is for us to be here. So she is playing into that and is like, wow, yes, absolutely. And we'll kind of like feed Lorana's excitement. Oh my God. Okay. 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 We'll just, we're going to get so many things. And just then the server comes back. It's been 45 seconds <laughs> and it comes back with this big tray of what appear to be just like large stuffed peppers that are just jalapeno peppers, uh, jalapeno poppers, I should say, kind of the classic fried bit of jalapeno with cream cheese inside that you can see still oozing out in a way that is that makes you think it's both too hot and still cold. She says, all right, everybody, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. We'll be back. We'll be ready here in a second. We'll, we'll want to order more. Thank you. Bye. So, guys, thank you so much for being here. I was really excited to kind of close out our business with you all. I'm really excited, again, not to kick you all out. We're going to have some fun. Happy hour, right? But I am going to need you guys to actually, I need you guys to eat these um, these poppers. Just for, because they're delicious or for well, any binding pact reasons? Are they magical? We value our privacy here. You know, we, you know, we, we try our best. We keep on the move. We, of course, have our, you know, impeccable arcane fractal energy network of central evocation, which really keeps us safe. But we like to make sure no one, you know, no one tells people about us. It's very exclusive. We're trying to keep everyone safe and secure. So, yes, by partaking in this, you will have certain limitations, not about talking generally, um, but just about some of the salient details about where we are, what you've seen, all our various proprietary arcane pro uh, protections and all that good stuff. I will say, as Lorana was explaining all of that, Checkers has already eaten one and has already fed Mango one. <laughs> Both of us are actively chewing, like, wow, these are great. And I, I pictured the plate is empty because yeah. Checkers had eaten all of them. And Checkers, you get like, there. It, it really, first of all, is kind of lame tasting. <laughs> but as you're chewing it and all the gushy cream cheese is happening and it's, again, not a super pleasant experience, but as you swallow it, there's kind of that late afterburn of a spicy pepper, you know, where it takes that second to hit and then suddenly it really feels like you just ate the hottest pepper that you have ever eaten in your entire life. Is it rude if I vomit at the table? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> Kashkrin will uh, take his next and is like, mmm, it's really, and it's just like mushing it around his mouth. And then all of a sudden he like stops talking and his face goes like fire red and he starts like sweating. Good, right? 
And he's like chugging his water and looking <laughs> around for like a picture of it. And like trying to flag down the wait staff. It hasn't like, come yet. Water yeah. has not come. Even though even with Lorana Moonglove here, water has not come yet. Val really seeing no alternative will go ahead and also seeing Cass's reaction and Checkers just freaking try to like shotgun a yeah. thing <laughs> to try to like minimize the burn. Yeah, the real bummer is that it then just gets caught in your throat, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like that's where it gets spicy mm-hmm. and you kind of like cough a little bit. So it unfortunately just gets just differently just bad. Yeah. Oh, well. And then we'll take a bite. As steam escapes from Selv's ears <laughs> as he chomps down on this, no matter how cold his interior temperature is, goddamn, it is still spicy. And But eventually that kind of fades. And Lorana kind of looks at you in part to be like, you liked it, but also to be like, cool, they all ate it. Good. We're good. <laughs> and immediately is like, all right, everybody. Detonating onions, right? Hey, uh, Garcon, Garcon, please. Uh, how many detonating onions would you say we need for the table? Two? Two, is that, do you think? And that is where we'll fade to black <laughs> for this week's episode of Reckless Attack. Yay! Yay! Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. But where's the sampler platter? Right. <laughs> <laughs> And so if this is a signed first edition that she's looking for, this is indeed a a pretty big get. And you would know uh, and you would know that. um, How, David? (sighs) (laughs) It's because Casper actually wrote it. Oh, that would be great. (laughs) Actually, I'm here for that. Um, uh, The issue is that you have to have written it. Before the Ultra Giants game. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. And timeline doesn't work out. Yeah. I, because I'm also very here for it, but alas. Uh, you, you never know. Maybe at some point in the future we get sent back in time. The one thing you do <laughs> is write this and send it back.